coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzz on Movies. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. And this week, we are going to be discussing... Uh, more of the works of Neveline Taylor, this week focusing on the film Gamer from the year 2009. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about how I should have said I'm Rat instead of I'm Matt, <laughs> so I keep wanting to laugh. <laughs> well, now you've said it, so... Uh, yeah. Um, I am excited to talk about Gamer. This was a lot of fun. I say that about literally every movie we watch right now, but um, I'm going to say it again now, so why not? Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, though, why don't we just talk a little bit about what we've been watching recently? You know, mm -hmm. we're still quarantined over here. It's been like three months now, and uh, we're still without a lot of new releases. So we've been going back, watching some older stuff. I've mostly been rewatching stuff recently. Like I rewatched uh, Gone Girl and... I also rewatched Drive, which I actually like. That's a movie I loved a lot when I when I saw it in theaters. I haven't watched it since then, and I was surprised by how much I still liked it. It's so good. That movie is awesome. <laughs> it's good. I and love you know, that movie. <laughs> I feel like it. Like the more you see it, it really builds on you. Like I appreciated more what the driver was going through and like his journey in this movie. Um, because like the first time you see it, it's kind of confusing exactly like why he is the way he is. He's kind of a strange character and uh, it's not entirely clear what some of the scenes, what, what the importance of some of the scenes are. But I feel like having seen it again, I'm beginning to pick up on some stuff. It's cool. It is really cool. Um, I absolutely love that movie a lot. Uh, I also saw that in theaters. I have a distinct memory of seeing it with a friend of the pod, in fact. And um, <laughs> and yeah, it's really great. Also, the soundtrack is fucking awesome. Soundtrack, soundtrack is, the is best. incredible. <laughs> it's so great, both in terms of like the pre-existing songs that they bring into it, like lots yes. of uh, 80s style synthwave. Yeah, Night Call by Kavinsky. Uh, yeah, there's lots of great stuff. And this movie, I think, was part of what helped kick off the synth wave or outrun electro or electro wave uh trend in music in the early 2010s yeah it uh, really took off in like film scores for a while there too and i do yeah. think drive was a huge factor in that yes. absolutely and also the yeah the score itself in addition to the pre-existing songs is very good it's scored by cliff martinez who uh, does a lot of film scores, used to play in the Red Hot Chili Peppers back in the day. Uh, and he really nails it on this. Like the the music in the movie is very listenable. And I've listened to the soundtrack a lot of times just totally outside of watching the movie. Yeah. I feel like I've actually listened to the soundtrack more than I have watched the movie. I definitely have. Interesting. For, a, for a while there, it was like one of my like, when I was doing work, I would have the soundtrack. I own a physical copy. Of Ooh, the soundtrack, really? that <laughs> I, re good. I really yeah. love this soundtrack. I think at the time, I like for a while, I would consider it one of like my favorite favorite movie soundtracks ever. Um, so it was I like listen to it all the time. Uh, it's tight, yeah. yeah uh, it's it's definitely it. It holds up. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> so, we can, what uh, have you? 
What have you been watching recently, Matt? <laughs> you're laughing and you're laughing because you know that like <laughs> for us, it's the elephant in the room. Uh, for um, anyone listening to this, you might not know what's going on. But you know what? I'm going to start with the things that you're not thinking I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. So, like, I have been really into movie musicals right now, apparently. And specifically, I really like the 80s, apparently, because I watched Xanadu. Uh, yeah. That was fun. Uh, Xanadu is a... You know, it's not good. It's just, like, not good. <laughs> Let's be real about it. Um, there are a lot of moments where I was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, but, you know, it's fun. And um, it's also Gene Kelly's last film role, which is not funny, but also very funny. Because it's, like, <laughs> one of the worst movies, like, of all time. Quote what unquote. a choice. <laughs> um, what? That's um, that's a rough one to go out on. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he lived for a while afterwards. It wasn't like he just like did that and then died. It was just like that happened to be the last feature right. film that he did. Okay. Um, so um, anyway, I watched the Footloose 2011 remake. That was fun. Um, in Have terms you of seen me, the original before, are you asking? Did you just ask me if I've seen Footloose? Okay. I, I did. Um, well, as someone who has not seen Footloose. Okay. I, I have seen the Kevin Bacon Footloose many times. I own it. Uh, I did the stage show Footloose in my freshman oh. year of high school. I'm very familiar with Footloose. Damn. I actually thought that going into this, so I didn't know a lot about the fact that the movie musical, I knew it existed and I knew it actually got pretty good reviews. It's like at a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and so I had really wanted to see it when it came out. I just never got around to it. That was like college for me. So it was sort of like, do you see movies in college if you don't work at a theater? No, because you don't have money. Um, okay. So um, I I never got around to seeing it. I kind of thought that it was like actually an adaptation of the musical because I it like it was always categorized as a musical film. So I thought it was like actually the stage show, essentially. Oh, okay. That is very much not the case, to be clear. <laughs> um, there is a lot of music in it, and there are like actual dance scenes because both of the leads are known more for dancing than for acting. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like definitely a professional dancer who I don't know from anywhere else. But the lead actress is Julianne Huff, who will make an appearance in this pod very, very shortly. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, they're both, like, dancers, obviously. Julianne Huff is on Dancing with the Stars regularly or whatever and has won twice, I think. Um, I've looked at her Wikipedia page a number of times this week. I might know some things. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I guess uh, I watched that, and I watched the new adapt musical adaptation of Valley Girl, which is a <laughs> jukebox musical... A very interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, actually, it was stupid, but it was really fun. It just—it's a jukebox musical of like random '80s bops. Like I don't even like. There's no real connecting genre. Like most of the time, it's pop, but there's like the punk outsiders, like May Whitman, um, <laughs> who like sing other things. And so, like, you know, it's like all kind of all over the place. But it was like if you like '80s music and like the '80s music that you no you definitely it's definitely not going to like introduce you to some unheard 80s gem um right and you like watching like jessica roth who's awesome and judy greer who's also awesome oh then yeah may whitman is in it um and also <laughs> you get to see logan paul be a total ass which is always kind of fun because that's who he is um <laughs> put logan paul in a damn movie honestly he get i will say he gets to play an asshole that's nice um, well that's 
typecasting right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, he does not play a likable character. Also, his character is called Mickey. And yes, they do sing Hey Mickey at him at one Great. point. Um, Good. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, um, so uh, I really appreciated that. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's also a lot of like dumb 80s jokes, like like Princess Diana costumes, E.T. jokes. Like, So it's like it's actually like really fun and it was dumb. Um, but this is all just circling around what you have called the <laughs> elephant in the room. Right. And that is the fact that since Sunday, and let me say that we are recording on a Friday, since the most recent Sunday, I have watched the 2012 movie Rock of Ages five times. <laughs> <laughs> From start to finish. Oh my God. <laughs> I have watched it five times. You know, including when, the time you I watched it on what put it that way it seems almost absurd even i want to be clear that i have not watched it on this friday so that means i watched it five times from sunday to thursday which is five days um (laughs) it's more you've watched it at least one of those days you watched it multiple times yeah um so let's just be clear that things are not okay in my life (laughs) um I, to also be clear, the way that this came about is like one of the most confusing things to me and really sums up the mindset that we've been in this entire quarantine. So obviously we just got done uh, reviewing Crank 2. And <laughs> as we mentioned on the review of that film, uh, it prominently features the the song Keep On Loving You by Ario Speedwagon as sort of the love theme in the movie. After which we became extremely fixated on that song and we're listening to it for a couple of days. And then you were like, oh man, I wish that there was like a jukebox musical of 80s songs. And I was like, wasn't there one that came out a few years ago? And you're like, oh yeah, Rock of Ages. And yeah. things just took off from there. Listen, uh, <laughs> I like, I don't even know what to say for myself, honestly. Um, I watched it. I distinctly recall it was Sunday night. I watched it for the first time. And like, I'd forgotten so much of the cast that was in this film. Um, Tom Cruise is in this movie. And I got to tell you, I wasn't ready. Tom Cruise, (laughs) Tom Cruise sings, pour some sugar on me. He sings wanted dead or alive. He at one point sings, um, Oh, what's that song? Oh my God. It's, um, I want to know what love is. He sings it to Malin Ackerman's butthole. This is a real (laughs) thing that happens in this movie. Um, I like, can't like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe the joy that Tom Cruise in this movie brings me. He is all in on a movie that is mediocre at best. Okay. (laughs) And, um, it's awesome. And some of the other cast are too. Catherine Zeta-Jones in this movie is totally all in brian cranston for a movie that gives him like seven lines maybe is all the way in he is like this like brow beaten whipped mayor of los angeles like (laughs) and like and he's like literally whipped because he's cheating on his wife with a woman who like whips him and maybe pegs him and um like (laughs) like and Russell Brand is in this movie, which if that is in a time capsule to you, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, remember really. when Russell Brand was everywhere? Um, so I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> no, he probably said something a little too left-leaning and got banned from the media. Um, so 
I don't really know what happened. I can't say. Russell Brand is definitely a fiery figure and he had some drug problems. So there's yes. like, I have no there. idea what it actually was. Maybe breaking up with Katy Perry was a step too far for the public. <laughs> uh, um, so anyway, it's not like the best movie. Um, I will be the first to admit that. And Julianne Huff and Diego Boneta are the lead couple in this movie. And they're about as interesting as like potatoes. Um, which is actually a bad analogy because potatoes are super interesting as a food because you can cook them in like so many different ways. Um, they're about as interesting as like what celery. I don't know. Um, they're just like not, they're not the most interesting leads. Right. I will say that they have some great numbers. Um, they duet on a medley of heaven by warrant and more than words by extreme. It's extreme. Right. And I don't know. It's, Awesome. This is your field right now. So yeah, I really love that medley mainly because I really love heaven by warrant. I love a good like eighties power ballad. Um, and that's right. like eighties. I mean, it's warrant is the people who do cherry pie and I know we love cherry pie. Of course. And so, um, <clears throat> I really appreciate that medley. So anyway, this movie is a lot. Uh, Eli Roth does have a cameo. So, Great. That's also of interest to our listeners who like horror. Um, he has a cameo as the director of a new kids on the block esque boy band video. Um, and he's an asshole and it's awesome. Uh, so I, the first time I watched it, I watched it on a Sunday night and I literally woke up and just said, I'm watching that again. Like it was like, <laughs> it, it wasn't like I watched it. I watched YouTube videos of like eighties rock videos, fell asleep, very drunk listening to those videos and woke up and just said, fuck it. And watched it again on Memorial Day. I just rewatched fucking that movie. Um, so, and this well, was, I rented it. I rented it on Amazon. And so eventually the rental expired. And so literally I rented it again. I, why? Why did I just buy a digital copy? Oh, that's because I bought a physical copy that was on its way and arrived today. So now I have a physical copy so I can watch it anytime I want. But why didn't I just order a digital copy too? I don't know. Um, so you paid to rent it twice now and you bought the Blu-ray and also you bought the original cast recording as well. Yeah, so I bought the original cast recording. Um, I've listened to it. I really like it. I am mad. So the stage show actually features a number that is Keep On Loving You, but they ah. don't include it on the Broadway cast recording for some reason. And I haven't been able to figure out a reason why, but if you like Google it, you can find videos of shows doing the number. Um, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's really unfortunate because that's the song that started all of this. Like <laughs> um, that's, that's the, the one that will break the spell. If you can, and they, and they don't do that. They don't do that. Sh that song in the movie either. They don't do keep on loving. Okay. That, that was, so the movie is like very I don't want to say very different, but it does rework a lot of things. Different songs are used. Um, yeah, I a lot read of the that. same numbers are still involved, but it's not. There are definitely some major changes. Um, Keep on loving you is apparently in the extended cut movie. Um, <laughs> okay, which I'm sure you're going to watch now. Yeah, that's what I bought. That's the Blu-ray Blu I bought. Um, oh, good. <laughs> so I will, but it's still like Ario Speedwagon performing it. It's not like the actors doing it. Although right. I think. Um, Release oh, yeah. the Snyder cut of Rock of Ages. I think it's is it is it Tom Cruise and Julianne Huff? I think they do um 
rock you like a hurricane maybe in the movie version but they don't do it in the they only do it in the extended cut it's some random song that they only do in the extended cut just the two of them which i'm very excited about i'm like yes i need more tom cruise singing because this is like has been the highlight of my life um <laughs> so it's also worth noting that i also ordered some cds apparently that i don't remember ordering apparently. but definitely starting to trickle in um <laughs> there's a greatest hits warrant cd um i don't know but i literally i got the notification that it had shipped and i was like huh i don't remember that um however with my movie and the broadway cast recording today i also got a best of motley crew cd that i really don't remember <laughs> including <laughs> what the fuck is going on um so Oh man, you're I'm in a, trouble. I think like, you're in trouble. I am in trouble. I'm in trouble with the capital T. Um, <laughs> I'm very afraid for myself, and I'm very afraid for the number of CDs that are going to start trickling in, <laughs> and possibly vinyl. Like I, I have a record player. Like <laughs> who knows? I might have done that. I don't know. Um, and uh, I've like made it a point to not check my past orders now because I'm just like fuck it, just like. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what I start getting over the next few days. Um, it's like you set yourself a little stream of presents to show up. Yeah, it's uh, kind of fun. Um, I did. <laughs> I expected the movie and the soundtrack today, but I did not expect this Motley Crue CD. Um, so, um, hey, you know what? I'll take it. Um, so this is who I am now. I've decided I'm an 80s glam metal rocker. So, All right. You know, that's fine. We were all figuring out our new quarantine personalities here i've already like kind of wedged myself into the 60s tiki vibe you've got the rocker thing going on now yeah you should be listening to a lot of like yacht rock and like reggae oh or i, I do i do listen to yacht rock i like yacht it. rock is hype yeah yeah that's hype. legit i just said the sentence yacht rock is hype <laughs> so i should probably be removed from the airwaves or whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> we just uh boot you from the chat here there we go uh yeah uh no but it's been it's been good i feel i highly encourage everyone out there to find their thing in this time because uh it helps it it, it helps to have something oh yeah i'm like this like vibe for me is like really getting me through. I'm just like, today I'm going to listen to Scorpions all day. <laughs> Let's do it. Or I'm going to listen to Jukebox Hero 85 times in one day. Let's see what happens. Right, uh, I'm not sure if that's healthy, but you know, get hey, the idea. <laughs> do what you need to cope. Exactly. That's all I'm going to say. This is, the Scorpions are self-care. That's. That's Fun fact about Scorpions, um, when I watched Predator last weekend, which I didn't even mention because it wasn't on brand, but I did watch Predator last weekend, and that is an 80s movie, so it's on brand. Um, true, true. They showed a scorpion at one point in it, and I literally said out loud, I forgot scorpions were real. So, <laughs> I mean, who's ever seen, like, a live scorpion if you, like, live on, like, the East Coast US? Like, I mean, I've, I've seen them in, like, a zoo Exactly, but only in a zoo. Like you don't yeah. like walk around and like be like, "Oh my gosh, what if I see a scorpion?" Like, right? You know, um, so here. like it's not a thing I have to think about much. So I was just like, I forget that that's like a real thing and not like a Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, yeah. Or uh, the Rock in that one Mummy movie. Um, we should mention that uh, you've been doing. I don't. I don't 
think we mentioned this in the last episode. You've been doing these binge watches on the weekends. Yeah. Where you watch like an entire series of movies. Uh, started off with the Twilight series, which was quite the No, debacle. it didn't. It didn't right. start with the Twilight. It Wait. started with Divergent. Yeah. Right, right. You watched the Divergent series first and then the Twilight yeah. series. So, and... yeah, I've been live tweeting a franchise <laughs> every Saturday. Um, the handle is Jellicle Mats. It's exactly how it sounds. Jellicle, J E L L I C L E M A T T S. Listen, I have like eight followers on there or whatever. So it's, um, and I don't blame you because it's just me talking for about nothing. I, I literally have friends who will text me and be like, I loved your Twilight tweets. And I'll just be like, but you don't follow me. So, um, like I, I, but I can't blame them if they don't want to follow it. Uh, I will say that one time when after I did Twilight and I always do like a hashtag, it's like Jellicle Twilight or Jellicle HSM, or I think it was Jellicle Wildcats for High School Musical because I did High School <laughs> Musical too. Yeah. Um, and so I, one time the net, like it was like an hour after the last one I'd finished, I was on my main Twitter account and I went to hashtag and I just decided to check. I started typing Jellicle and it suggested Jellicle Wildcats. And I was like, if I someday start trending myself because I just <laughs> live tweet, um, I'm okay with that. Um, so, because I tweet a lot, I think it was during twilight. I kept getting like pop-ups and was like, is it still you? Do you mean to be tweeting? And I was like, <laughs> I had yeah. to like verify my identity. Really. Right? Um, the Twilight thing led to a mental breakdown too, just like Rock of Ages, because during Twilight, I then listened to A Thousand Years by Christina Perry on a loop for a week. So, <laughs> listen. Um, Arguably, the uh, the 80s obsession is healthier in a way, because you're getting I think more variety. I think it's better also, because A Thousand Years is not a good song. I could do a, a live reading the lyrics for you sometime. It's not good. It's like very bad and makes no sense. It's um, it's really not. Um, yeah, as someone who worked in the movie theater when Breaking Dawn Part 1 came out and had to hear that song every time you went in to clean one of those theaters, uh, that was a rough time for me. <laughs> and uh, that song was like permanently burned into a bad part of my brain. So yeah, I, I would not want to hear that uh, a lot of times. Would but you say you, that you have died every day? I I, I would agree with that. Yes, <laughs> every every day, every day. <sighs> so yeah. Um. On that note, why don't we talk about gamer this week? Because yes, we've been let's talk about something we, that's like worth <laughs> talking about. We have been uh you know following the works of Neville Dean Taylor here. And uh, last movie that we talked about, Crank 2, came out in 2009. This movie also came out in 2009. Uh, very busy year for this uh, pair. And uh, But apparently they were filming these at very different times. Like, uh, we were reading up on this before. Gamer was actually filming in, like, late 2007 to early 2008, right? Yeah, so it it looks like they started filming... According to the articles I found literally just before recording um, in like December 9th and 7th, 7th and 9th in that range, 2007, uh, which is crazy to think about because this movie came out in 2009. <laughs> yeah, it like came out like two years later. Right. And uh, so like Crank 2 was actually filming uh, later in 2008. And then they also came out in 2009, about a year after they started filming. So right. Crank 2 came out first um, in like April 2009 and this movie came out in September 
but this one was actually filmed earlier. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, busy, busy time it must have been for Neveldeen Taylor. And uh, why not? Have fun. This is an interesting movie because uh, so far we've just seen them do the crank movies. It's all just high octane action stuff. And there's certainly a lot of that here. <laughs> I was going to say, don't say this is not that. Um, <laughs> well, this one is just like a very calm, meditative piece. Uh, now, there's a lot of crazy action in this. Uh, there's a lot of violence. Uh, there's a little <laughs> bit of the same sort of general, like, edgy vibe that you get from the crank movies. But it's it's fairly different in a lot of ways. And also, I feel like it tries to have, like, a wider message. Whereas the crank movies are kind of just, like, everything is crazy. And there's, like, a slight vibe of, like, this is what our society is like right now. But it doesn't really get too deep into it. Gamer, I feel like, does a little bit more. But yeah, gamer is definitely gunning for a little bit of social commentary. Um, that's definitely its point. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not. It's not the most subtle social commentary. Uh, no, <laughs> and this is not. It's not the greatest film in the world. No. I'll, I want to say this again. None of these. None of these movies are really like time-tested masterpieces. I don't think that you know, we're going to be 50 years from now still watching the crank movies and whatever, but they're very interesting, unique films, especially for their time. And it's kind of interesting to look back on these movies that came out about 10 years ago and see where we were then and where we are now. Right. So, uh, the film gamer, uh, to sum it up in a pretty brief fashion, it's about, sort of a near future where uh, there's this game that is played uh, with like live prison inmates. Basically like you can pay to play this game where you can control an actual inmate and they're like fighting in a battle style scenario. And um, it's kind of like the death race movies like Death mm. Race 2000 and then the more modern ones with Death Race. Actually, was was Death Race... Uh, Jason Statham was in the modern, the more modern Death Race, right? I think. I think so, yeah. Um, there. Uh, but it's kind of like that, where it's like, if you're a prisoner who's on death row, you can have a chance at uh, freedom if you agree to participate in this thing, where basically you become like an avatar for somebody who uh, pays to play this game and controls you and fights using you. Uh, and then if you play, if you survive like 30 rounds or whatever, then you're free, but nobody's ever managed to do that. Right. Also, yes, Jason Statham was in death race 2008. <laughs> great. Great. Um, it was directed great. by Paul W.S. Anderson in case anyone was wondering. Ooh. Um, Ooh, which is classic. not shocking. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> One of our but... vulgar auteurs. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and all, there's there's another game too in this world um, called Society, which is oh. apparently an earlier game. And it's kind of like, I guess it's kind of like The Sims or Second Life kind of where um, you can control someone else and then like have them go to parties and like have sex and like, just like go around with other. And it seems like the sex people. is like the big thing, right? Yeah. Um, it's mostly sex that's going on. And, and like the people in this aren't prisoners. They're just like people 
who they're have, paid they're actors yeah, yeah they're like this people is your who, job yeah like like volunteer for this they're getting paid and then the people who are controlling them are paying to play this game right. uh so that is that is the basic background of the story here and uh the central character of this is uh cable okay yes cable played by gerard butler uh man remember the gerard butler era this was, i know uh, I, when i when i went to watch this i was thinking about how like what happened to him um yeah. <laughs> where is he it's uh, been a while since he had a high profile project like was this he geostorm was was yes he? Yeah, yes okay. he was in geostorm um uh, that's the last <laughs> thing i think i can remember him in um <laughs> so um, yeah Rip. so yeah he's the main character here um he is in prison for murder like you do and he is one of the inmates who is in slayers uh yes. and quite quite good at slayers yeah he's like uh, by far the best he's uh survived longer than anyone has ever survived in this game he's won like like 27 rounds i think when we're first introduced to him i think so he's it's like seven yeah yeah he's very close to getting out Yes. And like nobody's That's ever made definitely it. true. It's that he's very close to getting out is very much the case the whole the whole way. We know that from the start. Um and he he's a what was I trying to say? I completely lost my train of thought. There was like a, a whole thing there that I wanted to say about him. I can't <laughs> remember now. Um fuck. I don't know. Say something if you have something, because I can't uh, remember where I was. Well, yeah, so he's he's in prison, he's trying to get out. And he's he's very good at it, um, but the the company behind it, run by the billionaire Ken Castle, who's very much like an image of like a tech entrepreneur. He's literally <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, he's we have found out in recent days, in fact. Uh, basically, <laughs> Zuckerberg. Uh, he he and his company are like trying to do everything they can to stop him from uh getting out of the game meanwhile there's this hacker group called humans with a z they're uh, led by ludicrous by ludicrous <laughs> and they are trying to help him escape the game and to help like improve society by stopping the horrible stuff that's going on because of castle's company and so like yeah that oh and also uh Gerard Butler is trying to get out to see his uh, his wife and daughter. His wife is an actress in the society game, and her the daughter has been taken away and given to an unknown uh, foster family. You can probably figure out who that family is yes. uh, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, it meanwhile, is there is also there's the the journalist Kyra Sedgwick. I don't even know her character's name. Is like inviting ken castle onto her show and like talking it up and gushing about it so we've got that going on in the background and also fucking castle or castle cable is being played by logan lerman from the real world it's logan lerman is his like human who plays him in the video game his name um, is simon but he's played by logan lerman it's AKA, important that it's logan lerman to me sorry AKA percy jackson yes uh, <laughs> The first time I saw this movie, I didn't know who Logan Lerman was. No, and not back I, then, not in two thousand nine. No, um, he wasn't. He wasn't really known at the time. I thought it was Zac Efron when I saw him in this oh trailer. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> what is wrong with you? 
he's, he's he looks like Zach Efron in this. He's got like the same haircut and everything. No, he's, it's like there was a post. I I can't say this on air. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll edit this part out. Yeah. So <laughs> that yes, no that okay. I guess I can see that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, those are the, pretty much all the main players. I'd say. So the film opens up. Al- was it Allison Lohman? Is that um, the hacker girl who is it's also like, who, who is also married to either Neville Dean or Taylor? I can't remember which one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I did not know that. But yeah, she's a member of the Humans. Uh, she's the one who first makes contact with Cable. Um, so yeah, the film opens up uh, saying some years from this exact moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. interesting uh opening like cr- opening intertitle i've seen for a film was like from this exact moment like this one right now <laughs> when i'm watching <laughs> it in 2020 or from this moment where you released the film i don't know um and yeah and so get 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 a look at this whole society early on a lot of this is shown a lot of like the backstory for the games and for castle is told through this uh, broadcast that Kira Sedgwick does or like interviewing him on the show. And at the end of the show, um, at the end of the show, Ludacris like hacks the broadcast and like, uh, like sends a message to the studio, but like the show has just ended. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm not clear on the, if this is like actually being broadcast to people. I think he's just communicating with the studio. So like, why didn't you do this when this was like going out to everyone in the country? I'm actually, yeah, I was really unsure on that too. I didn't really understand what was going on. Like, um, but he does hack it. I think it's interesting that he finds a way to hack it. There's a lot of like hacker language in this movie that I'm just like, all right, we don't know what we're talking about and that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, it was a really weird scene because it seems like you would want the whole world to see that uh, because we know that this is like the sort of thing where like like everybody watches this. Um, right. It's crazy. I think one thing that <laughs> this that this, this, this movie got wrong about the future is envisioning a world in which everybody watches something together. That's right. like not a thing anymore. They, um, they make that very clear a number of times. Like the opening shots of the movie show like these projected ads for the Slayers game, like all over the world on major buildings. And uh, several times throughout the movie, you see like when the big Slayer matches are going on, you see crowds in different cities around the world all cheering them on in like huge, massive crowds. Yeah, and uh, people seem to be like rooting for like, it seems to be like people like root for players and slayers like like for the humans who play different slayers characters they root for them like as like a a cultural thing in their country like you see it happening simon who play like plays cable is like a celebrity yeah and uh like there's people are always trying to like talk to him online and stuff he's very famous uh so yeah you get the feeling like this is a huge cultural thing that like literally everyone watches but also they all watch it like in public together it's like it kind of reminds me of like the truman show where you yeah. see everybody like out watching it at bars and stuff uh but you know like the hunger games but yeah right yeah like the hunger <laughs> yeah. games yeah, yeah. But, uh like if something actually happened like this now like most people would just be like watching on their phones at home or something yeah. <laughs> uh 
Uh, or like watching it after the fact. Most people might not even watch it live. Yeah, They're like yeah, wait true. for the tweets to trickle in and see the clips of things that get uploaded. Um, <laughs> um, which is like, it's just like a funny like thing. And re- because in 2009, and this movie started filming in 2007, that what Twitter was founded in 06, like they had no way of knowing that Twitter was going to drastically change the way we consume media. Um, but it did. Uh, um, but it is just funny. It's like, it envisions this world in which we watch everything together. And like, that's been lost for like a decade now. Um, yeah. We do not watch everything together anymore. Um, it does feel so. strange to see that. Um, one of the guys who works at the news station, I, I'm not sure. It might be Kira Sedgwick's boss. Um, he was the news anchor in Crank 2. Oh, <laughs> who, fun. Like, reading stuff the whole time and being like, this is highly implausible. <laughs> Like sort of just under- the one from Crank Two wasn't the, was he the same one who was in Crank One? I thought I it was the same. I don't remember if there was if he was in Crank One. I feel like Crank One was like a lot of different newscasters, whereas Crank Two was more like the same guy. But I don't, I'd have to go back and okay. like there was one guy who I thought kept cropping up in Crank One, but he's I could be guy, wrong. He's the guy who plays Jane's father in Breaking Bad. That's I don't, the other. I don't um, <laughs> if anyone's seen that. Yeah. If, you, if you've heard of this little show called Breaking Bad. Yeah, I was going to say, that. most people probably have. So you're probably yeah. fine with that at that point. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like Ger- Gerard Butler, we get to see hit, like all of what he's going through. There's like a big scene, obviously, near the opening where we see him completing a match. And it's just like, it's all the crazy cutting and visual effects that we expect from Neville Dean Taylor. Uh, one thing they like to do a lot is have like a computer glitchy kind of graphic that goes over the screen yeah. to show that like they're in a semi virtual world. Um, another interesting thing that you see in these matches is that there are like NPC type characters and like non player characters. Uh, like nobody's actually controlling them, but they are also like actual humans. They just follow like sort of a set path or program that they do. Um, John Leguizamo. And yeah, John Leguizamo is the main one of them that we see. But And we also see like a bunch of other people who aren't really main characters. Uh, and it's explained in one of the interviews that they're also inmates and they um, like they don't get controlled. So they don't have a very high chance of survival, but also they only have to survive like one match to be able to get free. Right. Which like, I feel like at least one of them would have survived by now, you know, like, no, it, because this shit is like crazy. Like these people, like it's like bloodthirsty, like losers, like, um, and like Logan Lerman's character kind of realizes the horror of what he's inflicting on people by the end of the movie. But it's like, you kind of see it early on. He's like, oh, what? It's just a game. And like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, but no, you're controlling actual human bodies. Like, yeah. these are real people like, who, when they're not in the game, are thinking, feeling humans who control their own actions. Yeah, he's like, he's talking to uh, uh, Gerard Butler at one point. He's like, well, they're all psychos, so who cares? He's like, well, why, why do you not care if I die then? He's like, well, you're my psycho. Right. <laughs> and it's like crazy. And of course spoiler alert we find out that you know he's not a psycho right but like like it's like it's crazy that these people just like so quickly gave into that idea i am not saying i don't believe it because 
events in the world in the past half year have led me to believe that yes, a vast majority of society would actually buy into shit like that. But right. like, um, like it's like it's it just like more real now than ever. Yeah, it, there's there are a lot of elements of this movie that right now feel surprisingly more timely than like you would think it would um, for a movie that <laughs> yeah. definitely is dated. Um, like, but it's like absolutely insane that like people are just like playing these humans and just like going about and like, but like, that's the thing. Like, so like these NPC characters, like they're just going to get killed just because people are like, Oh, I'm playing a game. You should just like get the extra points of killing someone, even though it doesn't actually do anything for you. Um, yeah. It's like crazy. Cause my thought process would literally be, Oh, I should make sure I save that one person. Cause they get one chance to get out of this. Right. Like <laughs> uh, we do, we do see Simon try to save uh, a woman in the game. At one point he like pulls her out of the road as she's about to get hit by like a, what's like a big truck with a bulldozer type thing on the front that moves very fast that there are like yes. a bunch of in this game. <laughs> They're just like They're running awesome. everywhere, crashing into shit. Um, and he saves her from it, but then she goes right back into like crossing the street and gets hit by another one. So he was like, well, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> like clearly they're not meant to survive this game. Like they, no, they nobody is in program loops that let them die on purpose. Pretty much. In fact, a driving plot element of this movie is that cable is getting so close to the end that Ken Castle introduces a character who is completely insane and also not controlled by any human. The point right. being that Cable may be good because Simon is really good, but there's a slight lag between what Simon tells Cable to do and what Cable does. Yeah. So, so there's a they introduce a character who doesn't have that, like, the, the metaphor they keep using is puppet strings. They keep saying he's got no strings. Um, yeah. That's a big point that they make is that uh, there there is a lag between the instructions given to the uh, inmates who are controlled. Just like What's the you know, word they use for it, it's, it's like a ping, ping, ping. Yes, it's a, it's a very common you know term in, in yes. the the internet and gaming is that there there will be a bit of a lag oh, because of the internet connection time and. Um, there's obviously a big advantage to be had then if you are not being controlled, but you're actually able to act on your own in the game. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, they do introduce this new guy who's like, I guess like a serial killer. They talk about how like he killed a bunch of people and then turned himself in kind of like he wanted to be in this game. He's kind of like Victor Zaz on steroids. It sounds yes, like <laughs> he's absolutely insane. He's played by Terry Crews. Which, Which is, is a huge shock if you've been watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um. <laughs> it's very, it's like it's the craziest role I've ever seen from him. Like usually he plays pretty humorous roles, and there's a little, there's some moments of humor here from him, but mostly he's like really scary in this. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a full psychopath, and he's just let loose in the game, and he tries to kill Cable multiple times. Uh, his name is Hackman, by the way. Which is very funny. <laughs> And he does at one point in the prison while they're not like playing the game, he tells uh, Gerard Butler that he killed this guy. And then he's like, I've got his blood here. You want to see? Like, he's like, well, got the blood all over him. And then he starts singing, I've got no strings from Pinocchio. Yes. yes. It's so <laughs> weird. It's like a little funny, but the way he does it is also really creepy. It's, it's so like, creepy. Um, yeah, Terry Crews is very scary in this for like his like kind of bit role. Like he's only in it for half of the movie, maybe. Um, yeah. 
the second half of the movie, he has been <laughs> terminated. Um, He's scary Terry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he keeps um, popping up, though. Like, it seems like he gets killed like three different times, but he still pops up. Um, yeah, he does keep popping up. That is true. Yeah. So there's um, <laughs> the, the, the visual style of this movie is very weird. Uh, the it mostly is like very bleak and dark in a lot of places, but also there's like this sort of waiting area that they're in before they enter the game. That's like this white desert. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. all like, and like at first I thought like, is this the, the prison? Like they're just, they hang out outside in this desert, <laughs> but then later it shows them like inside in an actual prison. So like, okay, I guess they just have this desert that they hang out in right before they go into battle. Which is very odd. Yeah, it's a very strange place, uh, but very visually interesting. Um, the the scenes that are set in society are probably the craziest ones from yeah, the whole thing. Uh, society they're all- is definitely like Sims and Slayers is just like Call of Duty. Like it is yeah. literally just Call of Duty. Those are like uh, the closest analogs, definitely. Yeah. And that uh, like matches visually like in Slayers. It's like, it's like sort of like color drained world. Everything is smoky. Every building is falling apart. People are just sort of running around. I honestly don't even know what the objective is at any given time. I'm like, I don't know. Just shoot people, I guess. Don't get shot. I don't, I don't really know what the goal is. In yeah, sometimes um, there's like a checkpoint to get to, but yeah. like they're not always just racing to the checkpoint. They're trying right. to kill people before they do it. Right. But Society is like set out in like this big park. It's like grassy. Like there are just like people in these like bright, colorful outfits. Um, yeah, everybody has like the weirdest outfit and hair you could possibly imagine. They're all just like the designed characters that you'd see in like uh, Second Life or something, right. where people just like go out of their way to make the craziest looking people possible. But apparently, like they pick these outfits for uh, like, you know, they're picking these outfits for real humans, but they have some ability to like change them instantly. Cause you can see uh, from the gamers perspective, like the character select screen, which I thought was really funny. Like you could scroll, they could scroll through like the different outfits and hairstyles and you see him doing that for uh, cable's wife. And yeah, like, and it's all just like a real person just with different clothes and stuff. And like, as soon as they select it, like the person goes out there in that outfit. So they got some way to like really quickly equip them with all this stuff. Which is um, very odd. I don't understand. Every scene that's set in the society thing is filmed. Like it's like a freaking drug trip. Like yeah. there's all these crazy angles, lots of weird, like close-ups and insert shots. Uh, and obviously everybody's acting really strange because they're all like being controlled by gamers. They all like laugh really weird and over the top and they'll like, if they get hurt, they'll just like laugh about it. And like, there's one part where uh, a woman falls, who's like rollerblading falls down and like, it's a huge gash and just starts like licking up the blood and laughing. Oh God. I hated that. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> It's those scenes are just so crazy. And obviously yeah, there's lots of sex happening. It's basically a place where like people can control another human and like live out whatever sort of fantasy they want to have without any repercussions. 
um, we could see the the guy who's controlling uh, Cable's wife, uh, Nika, is like this big fat guy, but yeah. he's like pretending to be this sexy woman, and he's like flirting with everyone he can. Uh, all these guys. Uh, yeah, it's very upsetting, and he's like. He just wants to, I don't know. He's he's an upsetting individual. Um, I think anybody who would play this game is probably an upsetting individual. Um, yes, definitely. But, Perhaps um, even more so than the people in uh, Slayers. I don't know. That's They're honestly both, really hard to choose. It's hard to say. They're both really disturbing people. Because at but, least in, in society, you're not, generally speaking, you're probably not causing anyone to die. Like, not as much so. Um, it does. It does appear that you can die in society, though. We see a lot of that happen at one yes, point. Yes, people um, do die in there. And but, it, like, what we get to see players of both games and the players of society seem to be a lot stranger and like perverse, even. Yes. Yeah. They're very alarming. Um, <laughs> also, the first time that society is introduced. We're seeing like all the sex and stuff that's going on, and they're playing the bad touch by the Bloodhound Gang. Oh my God. <laughs> you and me, baby, ain't nothing, nothing but mammals. mammals. So let's do it like we do on the Discovery Channel. No, 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 no. Getting horny now. That was a hell of a needle drop. I was like, oh my God. That was, yeah. I really enjoy so music in this movie is actually a really interesting thing. I think broadly speaking, there's a lot of interesting song choices. Um, we obviously have that song. We've already talked about the Pinocchio song. Um, there are at least, I think two instances of sweet dreams, but the Marilyn Manson cover of sweet dreams. Um, that's awesome. And of course there's one big musical number that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, <laughs> Um, oh my god yes <laughs> um, so it's just like there's a lot of interesting music happening in this film um which is a carryover from crank high voltage although this happened first um technically in terms of filming but <laughs> um, well it's clearly something that neville dean taylor liked to do is use lots of interesting songs in their films but this is a very different musical choice than keep on loving you by ario speedwagon <laughs> let's be clear on that one Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very different kind of song. Um, there was a one thing that was like, it felt like very 2009 in this movie was that there was uh there was a newscast at one point that was not Kira Cedric, but it was like these other newscasters and it was uh, two of the actors from psych. Like James, oh, yes. James Rode and uh, like the the girl of the the main uh, detective, it was, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like this this is really bringing me back to late two thousands here. I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about Psych. Probably. Um, <laughs> How could you forget about Psych? I don't. I, do you think I watched every episode of Psych? I can barely watch every episode of a two season television show. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, I. Yeah, that is a time capsule. This movie is a time capsule. Um, it is very much is. Um, I like the scene. So Simon, uh, is apparently like kind of a rich kid. He's seventeen. 
He's like, uh, I assume he's at his parents' house or something, but he's like, you can see him several times in like this big spacious house with like these video screens all around him, which are apparently a thing. He has like a room that he goes to that's all video screens all around him. And that's where he plays the game. Uh, and yeah, it seems like everybody plays kind of like it's all the games are like VR almost like yeah. they they have to actually do the actions in order to make the characters do them. Yeah, they're always players, like, even their that does not appear to be the case in society. It appears yeah, to be, yeah. Society is weird. Like, you see the guy, like, actually, like, puts on a mask to, like, breathe something and, like, like right. physically jacks into the game somehow. But it's Slayers, weird. you're just kind of, like, waving your arms around, like, Minority Report style. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's it's or like xbox connect style yes yes it would have been very of the time in 2009 so he's basically just playing connect here or uh he's playing uh he's playing Wii. but yeah and, and you also see him like lounging around this room and like apparently in addition to playing the game here also like access the internet and pe- like people are contacting him on the internet because he's like sort of a celebrity and they're trying to get him to like give control of cable to them. And, and they're like girls who are like flirting with him and stuff. And they all have the most insane screen names. Oh my God. Yes. Like the two twins who try to buy cable from him are named cum dumpsters with a K <laughs> and getting a C at the end. Um, and I- I think it's interesting that everybody's trying to buy this character when it's like, clearly the character is controlled by somebody. So buying them, like you're not going to get much. You'll probably lose in the first round still. Right. Like it's obvious that cable has a lot of, uh, inherent ability to fight off these guys. He was in the army before that's established. Um, but also, like he can't do anything without um, Simon controlling him to do it. He can't. Like at one point, he knows that there are people behind him, and he's like, because he can see it in a reflection, and he's like, "Turn around, turn around, turn around." But he can't do it. He can't even turn his head without Simon doing it. Right. So, like, it's really useless to have control of the character if you're not like a top level gamer, which apparently Simon is. Right. Uh, there's also someone called Sticky Muff. Yes, yes. Flirting with him. Uh, God. And his sister who talks to him. His sister talks to him in this scene as well. She's called Sissy Puss. And he like kind of flirts with her. No, don't say it. Don't say it like that. A little um, weird. Don't say not that. You could totally, just not. No, all right. We'll just it's forget alarming. That. Just, forget uh, that that happens in this movie. I, uh, I can't. I can't. I can't go there. It's too upsetting. Um, not about that life, fam. No, um, uh, you are right, and let's leave it at that. And so, mm, I really hate that you made me remember that scene. He's also, <laughs> it's like he's like on Omegle on crack in the scene. Like it's just like the most like worst thing. Yeah, it's like anyone can just contact him randomly over video chat and it's all like thirsty girls either trying like and they're like, Do you want to see our boobs? And he's like, Yeah, and then they show him and then he's like, Bye. And I'm like, What's your point? Like Oh man. 
There's so many boobs in this movie, both in this scene and like pretty much every scene that takes place in society. Yeah. There's just like boobs everywhere. So many boobs. Um, there's a lot of boobs in the crank boobies too. These are yeah. very much like, oh yeah, we're gonna give you teen viewers what you want. Uh, it's an action. Tits in action. Um, yep. That's that's what they're all about. At um, least in this one, there isn't like public sex, right? I'm not yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. technically in society, there is some of that going on. Um, True, but we don't see as much as we see in um, Crank and no. Crank Voltage. No, and in a way, it's not really public because like, there's no there's no bystanders. Everyone who's in society is being controlled in the game. Right. Uh, but they're also like apparently just like the people in Slayers, they're like aware of what they're doing and what's being done to them. That's like the like, worst part of this. It's like, really disturbing. Like I, like a number of times they'll, um, it doesn't do it as much in Slayers, but a number of times in uh, society, you'll get like a close up on their face and you'll like see their eyes being like, as they're yeah. doing something like kind of disturbing or weird that they probably wouldn't normally do. Um, so you can tell this is probably a pretty traumatic experience for these people, but they're doing it cause they're getting paid. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess that's, if you get paid well to be in society, probably, but I feel like there's, there's sort of a, there's a feeling in this, in this society, not like the game society, but the society that's shown in this movie that this is like one of the better ways to get by if you don't have like a really high paying job or something. It's like one of the best ways to get enough money to get by on, uh, which is a pretty disturbing idea that you basically give up control of your body and all of your autonomy in order to make a living. Yeah. I mean, I think it's supposed to be disturbing. So yes. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, but it definitely is like, it's sort I mean, the obvious analogy is like sex work. Like it's like you are like, yeah. you know, you might make a lot of money, um, but society like definitely shuns you. Um, <laughs> you yeah. Know, um, and and, you and can... we see that multiple times in the movie where yeah. like um, the people who life is not respected by like other people in this society. Yeah. The people who work in society are not respected by the general public. Like she's, uh, at this uh, review with a social worker or something where she's trying to get custody of her daughter back and it comes up that she works in society and he's like, oh, well, you know, I think she's in a better place. Like it, she needs, like it's really better for your daughter to not be exposed to that kind of life. And it's just like, obviously these people who uh, partake in society are not considered to be uh, like upstanding citizens. They're looked down exactly. on much in the way that sex workers are. Right. It's just a, you know, it's an, it's definitely an upsetting world because it's these people who like rely on the actors who play in society for their entertainment purposes, but then can't respect the people who give them their entertainment that gets them through the day to day and yeah. their shitty ass nightmarish hellscape that they live in. Um, so and I don't even know what other jobs there are in this world. Like, yeah, what else do you do? Like, like the, the only other things, the only other like people 
working that we see are the people working at the news stations and uh, the people working for Castle's company uh, in charge of running the game. So it it kind of seems like uh, like there aren't a lot of job possibilities out there that like this is the major industry and uh like it's sort of hinted at that the economy is not doing very well right now like um the the prison system apparently was on the verge of going bankrupt which is what led to uh ken castle being able to come in and being like hey you know i can help fund things by having some of your prisoners partake in this game that i'm coming up with and apparently like this went over very well he he mentions in the interview that like the the bill to make this legal in congress passed with overwhelming support and like that the general public also overwhelmingly supported this movement so like you get the feeling that uh something is not going well right now and having the since this came out in 2009 right around the time of the financial crisis it sort of makes sense that this is like sort of a vision of a world like a few years down the road where again like nothing's rebounded well from the crisis and people have started resorting to a lot of stuff that they wouldn't normally do right Obviously, we we've seen uh, we've seen Ludacris already, and and his hacking collective, um, they managed to make contact with Simon through the game. It's in that scene where he's like flirting with all the girls and stuff. He shows up and shows um, shows Simon a video of um, Cable before he was Cable when he was John Tillman uh, murdering his friend, which is what led to him being incarcerated. And uh, then he he offers Simon a tool whereby he can communicate directly with Cable because they're not like it's not a part of the game that they can talk to each other. They he can just directly control them. But he offers him like a a mod for the game where they can talk to each other. Um, <laughs> and this scene. I can't remember if it's this scene or a later scene where he talks to Ludacris, but Simon is like, he's pretending to be all hip with Ludacris. He's like, yeah, my brother. Yeah, I can dig it. Whatever. I think (laughs) it's this scene. Yeah, I think that's right. He's like, oh my God, what are you doing? Um, And one of the things that Ludacris says is the game's got to evolve. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a good mission statement for this movie. It's like the game has got to evolve. Not really like obviously here just applying to the game itself, but in a wider context, just like the whole economic and social game of society. Right. Improve. And as as pointed out by Ken Castle in his interview at the beginning, we live in society. <laughs> we live in society. I was so surprised when he said that as we all know I literally <laughs> screamed <laughs> we live in a society is a big meme right now uh mostly because of the dark night but this came out around the same time and also has that line uh mm-hmm. so this is very much part of the zeitgeist of the late 2000s it's honestly incredible. um we it's just it's this idea is clearly a very relevant one so much that it worked its way into two completely different films at the same time 
It's crazy. Um, so yeah, the, the humans are basically trying to, to overthrow this paradigm wherein Ken Castle is this huge billionaire who's like richer than Bill Gates, as they've established, and like he has massive influence towards like having these people who are incarcerated fight each other to death towards having the people who are uh, maybe not doing well enough to survive on their own. So they resort to being in society. Uh, They want to overthrow this paradigm. So they're interfering and trying to get cable out of the game because he apparently knows a lot of stuff about how, um, how this company came to be and stuff, which or at is, least could know he yeah. doesn't necessarily know himself, but the, the information is there. Yeah. So they, they're trying to break him out. Uh, they have one of, one of them goes by, uh, I think it's Alison Lohman or trace as she is known in the movie, uh, goes by several times to visit him in prison. I don't know how she gets in there, but the first time she goes, she like asks him for a signature, but also gets a bit of his blood. <laughs> Yeah. And her explanation for it is that it'll make the signature more valuable. Crazy. But the reality is that she was there to collect his DNA because they needed it in order to like reverse engineer the control system that's been done to cable. Apparently, uh, and this is explained in one of the uh the news interviews, uh the the mechanism whereby players are able to control the inmates is like some sort of nano cell technology that they implant in the brain. And that like takes over the motor neurons and becomes a part of the brain and thereby they can be controlled. And so the hackers have found a way to shut this down. If they have a person's DNA right before one of the battles, uh, like it's the last one that Cable's going to be in. And he's like, he needs to break out. And uh, Allison Lohman is asking him what he needs. He's like, I need you to get me something. And she's like, what? And he just says drunk. Oh my God. So apparently she sneaks him in a bottle of vodka and it shows like in one of the, one of the areas where they're like prepping, he just starts chugging this whole bottle of vodka. (laughs) He chugs so much fucking vodka. It's like, it's a whole bottle. It's the whole thing. He, he like instantaneously drains this whole bottle and like Simon is freaking out. He's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Because let's be clear. He's not going to be under Simon's control for this bit. Yes. Simon's also going to be just him. Yeah, because, uh, again, the hackers have uh, given Simon a way to let um, let Cable control himself because he will have a better chance of surviving because he doesn't have to deal with the ping like everyone else does. Honestly, I'm not even sure that was necessary this time because, like, at this point, he could have just told Simon what he was trying to do. But, like, because he didn't do anything that was, like, requiring, like, a big fight. But whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Numerous times, like in these battles, uh, he just sort of like runs off into this restricted area where like nobody is, and just like is trying to escape. Uh, he doesn't really, other than Terry Crews, like nobody really tries to kill him seriously at any point. But yeah, so here he gets like super wasted right away, 
and then the game starts and he's like stumbling around he's like running down this hill falling down i was like oh man this is a major mood um (laughs) and like (laughs) he's just so bad he's like trying to shoot and he's like firing everywhere um but he manages to get to this underground parking garage and vomits into the tank of a car that runs on uh what is it it's like ethanol yeah Yeah. it runs on ethanol so he's just like vomiting out pure alcohol into the gas tank and then he he pisses in the gas tank too (laughs) like i don't know i i think even if you drank a whole vodka you wouldn't be pee even if you drank a whole bottle of vodka you wouldn't be peeing pure alcohol but whatever uh but then yeah he he uses that car to escape so it's like oh they like he actually thought this through what <laughs> <laughs> a weird way to plan an escape um but yeah he escapes from the game and like everyone thinks he's dead because this like missile gets fired at him and then the feed cuts out so like everyone's led to believe that he's dead meanwhile Castle's corporation is trying to track him down, but he goes and frees his wife from uh, society. Yes. Oh, and this part is... There's a lot of disturbing shit in this part. Yeah, I don't even know where to even begin with what happens in this scene. It's like, he goes to society. In society, his wife is currently being courted by Milo Vintim... Ventimiglia, whatever, however you say his name, Milo Ventimiglia, whatever. His character name is Rick Rape. Um, <laughs> and somehow he's allowed to be in the game. And she's at one point like, didn't you get banned from this club? And he's like, that was last week. This is this week. And, <laughs> and he's like, like, I was a bad boy. It's like, that That seems like you were more than a bad boy. Yeah, like- it sounds like maybe you're like the worst boy. Um, <laughs> so he is Brahms. He is the worst boy. And so... Yeah boy he is totally insane also milo ventimia and his like weird like 15 minute role in this film is fucking great like <laughs> he is very disarming and very creepy and just like, <laughs> for more girls by the way yeah <laughs> um, an, odd, an odd role for him to take but yes um, uh, he's um, uh also, I, I watched him in 24, but um, he's really good here. Um, his character is not long for this world. He gets brutally murdered, but he yeah. also deserves it. So it's fine. Um, yeah. Cable kills him. Yeah. And then it's like, he's going to, he's trying to talk to his wife, but his wife is still being controlled by the fat guy. By the and guy from Stall Four. Like, it it is it literally like it might be. It like literally might be the actor from Stall. Or Four. like the guy from Seven. It's like it feels like that. They've just got like this huge like naked fat guy, yeah. uh, and he's like, <laughs> he's trying to. Cable's I think trying. It's upsetting to- that they make it huge naked fat guys. I just think that they should maybe. I'm glad that this was 2009. We can do better now. There's certainly a body shaming element to it. Yeah, every not the creepy people who are like sex obsessed with women are not all just like creepy fat guys. Like 
sweaty in their basements. They are also like very fit, attractive men. But like, right. like all the all the players of society, every time we see one of the like who's behind the characters, it's always like some gross looking creep. But yeah, that like the reality is like you don't have to be fat or ugly or anything to be a creep. There's good looking creeps too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's trying to talk to his wife, and meanwhile, the guy controlling her is like, "I'll do anything you want," and stuff like that. He's like, "No, shut up! Like, I'm not trying to make this a sexual fantasy for you. I really need to talk to my wife." And it's just, it's a really weird vibe after that, where like the guy playing her is like playing along for no apparent reason. Yeah, he's like, so okay. So here's my takeaway: this guy, this like. The sweaty man in the basement is like definitely a homosexual. Um, He's into men. And I think he's like thinking that like, if he plays along with it, ultimately he might be able to like watch or like quote unquote play sex between Gerard Butler and his wife. Yeah. I think that's what he's hoping for. And And he realizes that Gerard Butler is like very, effective and probably stands a good chance of getting out of all of this. Um, so he like realizes he shouldn't side against him and like, try to like, you know, cause like briefly he's like, Oh, I'm going to side with Rick rape and help him out. Um, but he realizes quickly, no, this guy is pretty legit. Um, also, um, Terry Cruz shows up again and is trying to kill. Uh, well, he, he kills a bunch of people <laughs> in society is this uh, when he kills some people in an elevator? Yeah, with, he kills um, people in the elevator while, um, like, he, he runs off with the wife at one point, and, like, he has her in an elevator, and <laughs> the guy who's control This is, like, this is such a complicated part because, like, the, the guy who's controlling her is watching, and then she's sitting there, like, just sort of watching, and then, like, the Terry Crews is, like, just killing these people who are making out in the elevator. Um, and like the fat guy kind of like tells him to do it. It's, it's a weird scene and kind of gross. Um, but eventually, Oh yeah. He's definitely like getting off to the violence. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he clearly is not just into the sex. He's into the violence too. Yeah. It's, it's just like a really upsetting, like this whole thing with like her being controlled by this like fat sweaty man who's presented as unattractive. And like, it's a very upsetting thing. Like he's like violent and like probably into like rape. That's why he's so like, okay with like Rick rape being a character here. He literally is the character from Saw four. I mean, he is literally the same character. There's, Uh, there's a lot of saw connections here. There's, There's a there's one scene where one of the inmates is trying to like get the controls out of himself by like cutting into the back of his neck. I was like, oh, is that part like that part from Saw Two where the guy cuts oh. off his skin? <laughs> I just mean to to point out that like it's like it's a little bit unfortunate that the movie like chooses that it's like un unsavory character is like this like fat sweaty guy and like presenting that like you know, the attractive alternative is like Gerard Butler, who's like fit and like, you know, it's like, uh, well, you know, like fat people could be attractive too. You're just presenting this one vision of them and never presenting this other vision of them who are like still good people. Like, right. Um, well, well, we'll never, we'll never say that Neville Dean Taylor don't like to rely on stereotypes from now and yes. then. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> this guy is very much a stereotype. There's a scene where he's uh, eating whole waffles one at a time by dipping them in a big vat of syrup. It's uh, it's like very it's a very yeah that's a very unfortunate scene. Um, <laughs> it's it's very much like fat shaming. Um, and it's like you know you could do better. But I mean I know I'm saying this to Neville Dean Taylor who like are like definitely putting out homophobic content and sexist content and racist content in their movies. Right. Um, <laughs> there was a lot less of that in this one. I have to say this was one of this. This is a step up from the yeah. crank. The sexist content is still pretty there. there there's uh, still some casual sex. Homophobic there. content is as much there just because there's not as much gay representation. However, there is like lesbians because they're hot. Um, oh yes. We see that a couple times in society, but that's sort of played as like a thing that you shouldn't enjoy so it's like a little bit different like it's right. like you're not supposed to like when you see like, those yeah everything in society is meant to be exploitative so yeah so under, when you see yeah, that it's, it's not like it. yeah um, but it does it does in a way indulge in a little bit of its own exploitation yeah, because it doesn't really like provide actual commentary you know like it's not like it's all well and good that you say show it and like show it in a mocking light but like we are, and I don't mean to be elitist here, but like we are people who watch movies and watch them and think about them when we watch them. We're not just like watching movies and like laughing at them and forgetting them like two seconds later. Like there are people who watch that and just laugh at like the the like same sex women kissing. You know, like they don't they don't think that that's like exploitative or think that that's actually a parody of the fact that every fucking teen show from two thousand one through two thousand seven was showing, had like a bisexual girl plot for no fucking reason, and then ended it when she realized she was actually in love with a boy. Like, every single show. Like, and that was a big thing at the time this movie was filmed. Like, yeah. it's um, that's, a- that doesn't happen anymore because people have caught on, but like, like, it was huge then. And like, at the time, this was like a very timely satire to put out there, but they didn't really satire it. They just sort yeah. of satired it. It's a bit, it's a bit of both, I'd say. It's exactly. it yeah. a little bit of the exploitation. Like, there. I definitely think they're not, I do not believe that they are like, they probably are not homophobic creators. I don't believe that. It's just, they could do better with the representation. Yeah. If you're going to put that in your movies, you probably need to do the full research it's, first. It's, it's all I want to say. edginess and for, you know, for titillation. Exactly. And yeah. It's not, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's also like, yeah, all right. <laughs> it, it, seem, it, it still seems a little dated, but I, I do think it's, it's better than the crank movies in that regard. Um, so the crank movies were definitely, the first crank was way more homophobic. The second crank was a little less so because the, the like the twin was like fine, but still coded as gay half the time. Right. Um, so, um, but still pretty bad. <laughs> they are what they are. They, it's, it's that edgy two thousands humor. I mean, I'm speaking as a queer, I clearly enjoy the movies. Like I'm not, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but I'm allowed. We can criticize them and enjoy them at the same time. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to think that they're perfect in uh, in every way. We're horror uh, fans. We feel that <laughs> way about most movies we watch. Um. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like the uh, the scene where like it's after the elevator, uh, the, where the the guy playing playing the wife leads uh, Gerard Butler into the rave, 
and the rave oh, yeah. is like the the absolute craziest part of society. Uh, they have uh, these women sitting in like a giant version of Galileo's cradle. Yeah, you know, like uh-huh. that that little thing you put on your desk where the balls swing and hit each other and they bap off of each side. Uh, except in this one, there, it's like a little pod that each woman you mean is. An abacus? In. Are you referring to an abacus? No, not an abacus. The abacus is what you count. Oh with. no, what's that? You know, oh, the Galileo's cradle. It's like that thing yeah, you put in your yeah. desk. And like yes, the ball I know, swings. I know, I know. I'm dumb. I'm, I'm dumb. I've had wine. Shut I'm up. Not sure if you know. I'm. I'm just explaining. All right. So in this one, like it, each one, instead of being a ball, it's like a pod type seat that a woman sits in and they're just like swinging around on it. Like I guess, I guess the people controlling them just want to sit and swing for a while. I don't know. Um, and uh, so Gerard Butler is like running around in here with his wife and the people from the castle company are like coming in, trying to get him and they just start shooting into the crowd after him. And like, there's like blood flying everywhere and there's fluorescent lighting. So it like lights up on the ground and people are like playing in it. Yes. It's yes. Like, it's really, it's a, it's a kind of a grotesque scene because it's like people are getting killed, but the people who aren't getting killed are still getting controlled. So they're just like, they're playing, they're having fun. They're like, Oh, this is crazy. There's blood everywhere. And like, there's actually people. Well, let's dying. be clear: the people who are being played are probably not having fun. They're probably terrified. Oh yeah, people That's who are cool. playing them are exactly. having fun. <laughs> the players, the players don't care. They're just like, oh yeah, like there's there's blood now. Ha ha! Isn't this crazy? Um, yeah, that was a freaky scene. It's weird, oh. and I feel like this can't be like the norm in society. I feel like society is generally just like. You might see some, you definitely might see some violence. I think there's probably like sexual violence, um, but you don't see like murder and gunshots, generally speaking, in society, I would think. Um, so it's it's disturbing to see how like half of the rave is just like, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's there's a theme in like a lot of this movie that's just like sort of a, uh, alienation from violence just sort of uh acceptance of it as like a just a common everyday maybe even entertaining kind of thing uh they like that's definitely a theme here and uh sorry sorry it, i just it's got sort of, photos from a friend the the protests have moved to where he lives and he lives near me oh great yeah speaking, <laughs> speaking of violence going on in yeah. society um, <laughs> uh great yeah um and it ties into the crank movies too. I think like one of the themes of crank, uh, if you can talk about in terms of themes, like they, they obviously tie into video games a lot there. So that's a commonality with gamer, but also there is sort of the feeling of, um, what's the word? Um, just like being numb to violence completely, just not even affected by it. Um, and it's especially, it, it's much more clear here in gamer, like the, the people controlling these people, it's like they're playing a video game, just like 
any normal person would, but here it's real. People are actually dying, but they're treating it just the same as if they were playing a game, just any old game. Yeah, that's disturbing. <laughs> um, I like, and I mean, I think it's like, obviously, I mean, there are a lot of reasons that the movie has made the choice to make it like these like live bodies being controlled by other humans. There's the fact that we live in a, we live in a society. Um, we do live in a society. We do literally live in a society. Um, and in our society, a lot of us are literally controlled by forces that we can't, we have right. no control over, you know? And like, and this movie was recognizing this in 2007 when it was filming. Right. Um, and that's great because a lot of people had, didn't recognize that until like 2018. Um, but it's also like, I guess it's, I don't know. It's also like a, it's sort of like a take on video games. Like, but like, that seems, I don't know. Like, does it really need, I, I the video game aspect like kind of makes sense. And at the same time, it's sort of like, I really think that maybe video games are not the most serious route that we need right. to take to, to talk about the fact that we are not free. Like none of us are free. I don't feel no. like this, um, like really goes in on video games. Like they're critiquing video games is like, I agree with that, but it's hard to shake off the framework that it is a video game. But it, oh. I, I do think it's like, it's kind of a metaphor for the way that people are controlled by society and controlled by forces outside their I mean, level of uh, power of their own lives. I think that that's definitely, I think that's definitely what the movie is going for. I do not disagree with you there. I, for all of their flaws and how they make some of their movies, I actually think Neville Dean and Taylor have their minds in the right place. Generally speaking. Um, I think that it's just like sort of weird that they chose the video game route because it, it sets it up for, I mean, especially in 2009, I don't think you see the like video games make people violent as much right now in 2020. I think we've all sort of read yeah. enough scientific studies to all be able to agree that that is just like not the fucking case. Like, um, it was still um, a big thing in the 2000s. So. It was though. So like, it's like in the 2000s, it's sort of like, it's a choice to, to set this up within the video game context. Because, like, you're just, like, feeding that fire, which has since been basically all, but, like, it's been, it's died down because everybody's like, that's really not true. Like, yeah. nobody is actually radicalized by video games. That's not actually a thing that's happening because most people play video games and recognize them as fake. Um, yeah. um, now, these games are not fake, which the irony here is that, like, these people are playing these games. They think, they look at them as fake, but they're not fake. So like there, I mean, I think there are layers here. I do still think that their minds are in the right place. I just think that like the, the video game metaphor might be slightly muddled, um, which I think is a detracting factor of this movie and maybe why it didn't get the critical reception that it could have yeah. gotten. It's, it's, um, it, it is a little complicated in terms of what it's trying to portray versus like what it's literally showing is like video games. Um, right. And they're I trying think it's just trying about to how like our control. government controls yeah. us. Like I yeah. think that's all it is. It's about not even government. I mean, it is government. sort of about government, but it's really about like tech and big business. Like yeah. big business, yeah. capitalism, economics, uh, yeah. all these big forces that are just far and above the uh, influence of the average person. Right. 
and, and this, how- these are like ideas that I like 100% subscribe to. Like I hate big business and I hate big tech. Like that, you know, anyone I sure, you know, I do not like any of these com- like big tech companies, but like, maybe framing it as like a video game issue is like questionable is my only my only point here because i don't think that like i don't know like i played call of duty growing up and i will be real with you i have never even thought about going out and doing the crazy shit (laughs) like um um so i mean i do not play call of duty really now because i think call of duty is racist but like um you know that's a different story right so anyway uh we're going on tangents we're getting we're getting really into into the metaphors here and the meanings but i think that that's important this 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 is a a bit of a deeper film than the crank movies um but anyway uh kira sedgwick shows up to help uh uh cable and his wife escape uh she's like got her new like her van there and she's somehow gotten into the um society game which i'm not entirely sure how because which uh, reporter do you think she's meant to most emulate i was trying to figure this out while i was watching it um like who did they like i feel like they clearly had like a somebody in mind like katie couric that's what i thought too katie couric but then i thought i was maybe just thinking that because go who's um, yeah, <laughs> like obviously she's like close to my mind as a as a fellow. But I author. do also think she's like generally speaking like a liberal slash progressive. Like, um, I think that that's mostly true. Um, yeah, and she's she's positioned as like one of the top journalists, but she mostly does like you know anchor type stuff. Um, so I, it seems kind of similar. Yeah. Uh, but here apparently she is like infiltrated society somehow. <laughs> she shows up to help them escape, and it's she's really weird. It doesn't working. make any sense. <laughs> um, I don't know how that happens. Um, there's also, I like this doesn't. Is this part of this escape part or earlier the like the motorcycle chase scene with um uh what's your face the other <laughs> the the, the uh, Allison Loman Allison yeah. Loman who's married to Neville um she yeah is a motorcycle chase I know I know what you're talking all, about that all... happens a- that happens after Cable has gotten out of the game and but we don't really know that he's gotten out of the game at the time we like see him running from like the the bulldozers the really fast bulldozers uh-huh. then the everything sort of fades out. And I think that's when we see like Logan Lerman slash Simon um, in conversation with like his, the, the CIA or FBI or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you know, you have to come with us. And he's like, can you get me a sandwich with jelly and peanut and almond and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, he's like any kind of nut butter, basically. Yeah, it's actually a very funny moment. Pistachio um, butter. Which is yeah. like we actually see him eating that at some point. I thought it was guacamole because yeah. it was green, but I guess it was pistachio butter and jelly. Pistachio butter. Um, Which now I I'm would, like, I want to try that. I would absolutely love to eat pistachio <laughs> butter as a huge pistachio fan. Um, pistachios are fucking great, and pistachio like, ice cream is the fucking best. Anyway, yeah. um, but it's funny because they like arrest him because they think he like you know he helped Cable escape, and they're like, I mean, he. A lot of to be clear, he literally did help him escape by. <laughs> 
not by giving up control, which was like not allowed. Um, but at the same time, it should be okay that he did that. So whatever. Um, also cause the game shouldn't exist anyway. Um, God, it's such a fucking crazy concept. Anyway, <laughs> I think that it's after that scene, we cut back to cable and he's like wondering what appears to sort of be like meant to be like the Chinatown district or something. Um, and he's like finding like food or something. And that's when like Alison Lohman. Shows uh, up. Alison Lohman helps him. Yeah. 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 The only, the only reason I wanted to bring that up was because there's, uh, there's a motorcycle scene here and, uh, next the next film from Neville Dean Taylor would be uh Ghost Rider yeah. Yeah. Vengeance. So this is like their audition for shooting a motorcycle chase scene. Uh well, they're gonna do a lot more of that. So we also do get to see a flaming motorcycle at one point in here. I was just like, oh boy, like did they already know they were gonna be making that movie? Yeah, I mean yeah. I definitely cataloged a number of moments where i was like oh spirit of vengeance oh spirit of vengeance like <laughs> i was i was ready for it um, i'm hyper i'm hyper spirit yeah. of vengeance uh we'll get to that next next week um so yeah anyway kira sedgwick shows up helps him escape gets to the humans who both like deprogram cable and um his wife like free from the game. And this is where we sort of find out the backstory of cable because they're also able to like, look at his memories visually Which is on a crazy. computer. This is black mirror shit. Their um, hideout is really cool too. It kind of reminds me of the, like the hacker hideout in Mr. Robot. And that like, I, mean, got, I think it just looks like a bar that you would go drink at. They've got like arcade games everywhere and stuff. Um, including like we get a shot's, a bunch of shots of them playing metal slug, which I think is a great. Include. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Great game. Uh, but again, Neville Dean Taylor loved to show people playing video games in a movie that is in a more wider sense about video games. They're uh, big video game fans. That's they it. They are all about the video games. Um, so we see like the sort of backstory of cable. He was in the army and he was involved in like the experimental tests that led to the creation of the technology that's used in these games and he murdered his friend but as you can sort of see from the replays that are shown of it uh he did it while being controlled by castle so castle actually was the one who murdered the friend and like intentionally wanted cable to end up in the game which is crazy no and so um after after getting freed from his programming supposedly uh gerard butler runs off to storm the castle so to speak uh he goes off um and he he runs into like the headquarters of this company and Thus ensues the strange scene of this movie. I feel like Neville Dean Taylor always liked to include a very weird scene in each one of these movies. And this is the one here. Absolutely the one. There's no... (laughs) And there's no really preparing for this scene. Um, Because I even knew it was coming because I'd seen this movie before, as I'm sure you had. Um, Yeah. It still comes like out of nowhere, even if you know it's coming. So the scene is 
First what? of all, we should we haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, Ken Castle is played by Michael C. Hall. That is important uh, yeah. of right. Dexter fame. This was yeah. while he was doing Dexter too. So Dexter and like, what six feet under? Um, yeah. So. Height of height of his popularity, yeah. uh, but he's doing like a southern accent, which is a very interesting. He's doing, he's doing a southern accent. I do think that's intentional, even though Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have a southern accent. So um, check your your southern biases, Neville <laughs> Dean Taylor. Um, he's not supposed to be like exactly Mark Zuckerberg, but he definitely draws a lot from like. He basically is like. Can you think of any other tech figure that like, I mean, he really emulates like the Zuckerberg mindset. Um, but I'm right. sort of saying that in 2020 where like, we've learned more about the Zuckerberg mindset. Um, well, I mean, and the 2009 was like right after the social network came out. So I, I feel I like we, he Facebook, that was the biggest one was Facebook, right? Like Facebook was very culturally relevant at the time. Maybe MySpace still when this was being filmed because it was filmed in two thousand seven. Um, yeah, but the MySpace the MySpace guy would never have done something like this. This is no Tom didn't do anything. He like <laughs> d- he just like created a thing and then moved away. Um, he did the smart choice. He just went. Yeah. He sold out and then went to photograph stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it's like a clear Zuckerberg analog with some like overtones of like the Bill Gateses of the world. Um, but you can't really compare Bill Gates to this guy, I would say, um, even though Bill Gates is like worse because he has more money. Well, actually, I don't know if this guy has more money. Um, this well, guy it, has like it's specifically established in the yeah, he has more movie. money. And, he is richer than Bill Gates, and he's uh, definitely like more. He's definitely more powerful. He's. I don't even know who the president is in this movie, but I know who like the lead of this like technical group is. This technology right. group. So clearly, it's bigger. Um, that's also a very realistic thing, almost. Except for we definitely know more who the president is in 2020 than we do any tech group. <laughs> um, but that's just because we have the worst president ever. But like. So he gets to fucking what's his name? Michael C. Hall's home. And he has to fight Michael C. Hall. <laughs> but Michael C. Hall <laughs> sings. I've got oh. you under my skin. <laughs> he, he, he shows up and like, he's in this like weird, like concrete place. And it's like very dark. And you can see like the silhouette of Michael C. Hall and he's surrounded like by a bunch of inmates. Yes. <laughs> and then you start hearing like snapping. Yes. Da, 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 da. And then he starts like he's lip syncing to I've got you under my skin. <laughs> and it's he's like, he's doing insane. He's fully doing it. He's like really lip syncing hard and he's dancing and meanwhile, he's like apparently controlling all these inmates. So he's like moving his hands around and they're doing like a choreographed dance to it. And they're like all the time they're moving towards Cable. And then eventually they start just fighting him and he's like has to beat them all up. But the song is still going <laughs> this whole yeah. time. So it's like this crazy coordinated dance fight thing that just comes out of nowhere. But it's it's, like, it's so good though. It's yeah, like it's really, fucking awesome. 
it's well done. It, it's a good fight scene too, just like outside of the dance element. Like there's some good fight choreography here. But it's just it's very it's, violent. This is like one of the more violent scenes in the movie. Like yeah. you see a lot of of people just like getting like their faces bashed in, their necks snapped. Like yeah. um, there's a lot of shootings and dismemberments earlier in the movie, but here there's like neck breaking and leg breaking and stuff. It's like all which very are things that I think are worse personally. Yeah, it's like um, very up close and personal violence. Yeah. So that is fun. <laughs> Um, it's actually a really good scene and it's, it's really well done and it's very weird. You don't expect it. Um, it doesn't really match the tone of most of the movie, but at the same time, it sort of perfectly matches the tone of the rest of the movie. Um, (laughs) it's such a weird, it's such a weird scene. And I think it's like pretty brilliant. I think it like really, it's hard to get to this scene and think that like this movie was like a fluke. Like they were clearly thinking about everything they did in this movie. Yeah. Um, no, and it, you, it, you really realize that when you get to this scene. It's good. It's good. Uh, also, meanwhile, we're shown through like a video screen that pops up at this place that uh, Castle's men have infiltrated the humans hideout and that they're shooting all of them. So, yeah. Like Ludacris and all of his uh, friends are dead. And um, I also don't think we've mentioned at this point that by the time the fight is over, we've learned that that Cable's daughter is in Ken Castle's care. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of hinted that earlier. But yeah, yeah, she he's the rich guy that got uh, that they gave her away to. Clearly, he used his influence to. get this child and it was intentional he, he wanted yeah. to have power over cable have, if he have got leverage out. uh and again you know like castle's all about control it's just one more way he can control and manipulate cable so, and, and he uses that like right away like cable's about to kill him he's like oh you want to find out where your daughter is right right like uh, okay um and then they have like this weird scene on like a basketball court it is where, well, court. Yeah. I didn't know why that was. <laughs> where Terry Crews comes back. Well, first they walk through like this weird galaxy room. <laughs> like this whole hideout is so strange. Like every room is very weird and very unique. And they walk through this galaxy room to get to a basketball court. And then Terry Crews is there. And then he he fights Cable while Michael C. Hall is controlling Terry Crews. And like Cable wins, obviously. And he's right. like, Oh, if you if you hadn't been controlling him, like he might have had a chance. Like, oh, but that's not the point now, is it? He just wanted to demonstrate his control. And also in this scene, Ken Castle reveals that he has uh undergone the same sort of treatment as the people who play in the game. Like he's got the nano cells in his brain, but he got a special kind that rather than receiving messages only will send them so he can control everyone else. Yep. So he's like crazy. Yeah. He's like, he reveals like his master villain plan here, which is like to take over hundreds of millions of people across the world and get them to vote however he wants and do whatever he wants and basically control the entire world. Like just with his brain, which like, wow. Yeah. 
That's a really crazy plan. I don't know like what the long-term aim of that is anyway. It's like just now you've got the whole world as your puppets. What do you do now? Like it's just about power. I think he yeah. just wants to be able to say he did it. Like he's just a very power-hungry person. Um and some people are. Some people just care about power. And he mentions he gets um when when he got uh his people to go kill the humans, he also reverse engineered the the break from the control that they did. So now like cable's able to be controlled again. But the way he says it, he's like, My smart boys took care of that mod that they made. <laughs> like I love that he calls them his smart boys. His like, smart boys. They're like computer programmers, but it's like they're my smart boys. I also like, and so to like get to like sort of like the ending, um, I like how after, or I guess there are two things I like. Um, it ends because Gerard Butler is able, Cable, is able to sort of infiltrate his mind by just saying, you are thinking about doing this. You are thinking about me killing yeah. you. You are thinking about, and like, it's like a really clever way of like, Again, because like he controls, like Michael C. Hall, Ken Castle mm-hmm. controls all of this by just thinking about it. But if you infiltrate his mind, you don't have to have technology to do that. It's two things. First, like, um, uh, Castle tries to get him to kill his own daughter, and he's like very close to doing it. But then Simon intervenes because he's managed to get control, like, some slight amount of control back over Cable. So Simon prevents him from killing his daughter. And then uh like he's he's like a, he's trying to stab Michael C. Hall and he's like stopping him and he's just like, why don't you do picture me plunging this knife into your chest or something? And it's clear yes. that Michael C. Hall is like struggling with it, but he's thinking about it and he can't help but think about it. And his brain is sending out the messages. So it allows him to do it. Like he controls himself. And yet you're right. It's like, he doesn't need the actual physical structure of the controls. He controls him psychologically just by like influencing him to think about it. It's the one thing he has left that he can do apparently is to talk. Which is so interesting. I think I think um, I love the way he defeats him here. Ultimately, I think it's really smart and clever. Um, he beats him with his own game. Essentially, he yeah. finds a way to exploit this this power tool that he had created, and ultimately beats him with it. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It, it it sends a message, sort of that like even with all these structures of control around you, like if you if you like have the right mindset and if you say the right things, you can possibly overcome uh, the forces against you. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's gamer. (laughs) That really is gamer. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's, 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 it's all about, you know, the structures of control in society and the forces that are greater than the average person and how they, they wrestle for controlling your time. I know what I wanted to say about the, the other part of it. Sorry. Um, I'm totally interrupting. <laughs> it's fine. I think that um, 
it's really interesting worth pointing out that when Ken Castle gets killed live on screen for us all to see, the entire country sees this because they have activated the cameras for everyone to right. watch. There's that um, part. Everybody cheers. Literally the whole world cheers. They cheer for Ken Castle dying. His employees were basically complicit in it. Yeah. Um, you can tell they don't care after he dies. They're just like, oh, all yeah. right, you beat him. And like Gerard Butler's like, hey, can you switch off the game? It doesn't really matter to you. And they're like, yeah, I guess you're right. And they just turn it off. Right. I think it's just like this idea that like a lot of people are following people they don't really care about and would be just as happy to see them fall as they are to see them on top of the world. Right. Uh, and so like, you know, it's hard not to think about that in terms of like modern culture now, because that's like, I think extremely relevant still. Um, that's one way in this move in which this movie has aged. Well, there are a lot of figures on top who don't, who I think people would be just as happy to see completely fail as they are to see them succeed. Um, I think I think it's a timeless story. In fact, I yeah. think it, it could apply to a lot of periods in history. It's about the struggle between those who have the power and those who have control exerted over them. And uh, it's about ways that you can fight back against that. Yeah. It's just crazy to me because as somebody who like the celebrities I actually care about are people who like, I would hate to see them like, completely fall because i actually think they're good people and then like watching this movie where it's like there are people in the world who like literally don't care they just want to see this like rise and fall power dynamic yeah it's like why would you want that like <laughs> um but those people exist that's like people who watch keeping up with the kardashians so <laughs> you know um <laughs> great great comparison yes um <laughs> so um yeah, this was an interesting installment. Uh, when I first started watching this movie, I was concerned because I didn't remember liking it that much when it came out. And again, like I don't think it's a masterpiece now, but I really liked a lot of it, uh, especially like the the overall themes in it. Yeah, uh, I thought I were think, really interesting. I think for me, I like the themes a lot, and I think that like the technical flaws are sort of forgiven by the fact that like it definitely has its mind in the right place yeah in like a pretty like explicit way a lot of the time um so it's cool it's unusual it's got a neat message it's got a very strange way of showing it yes. but it's a fun movie and you know i i don't know if i think everyone has to see this but if it sounds at all interesting to you i think it's worth watching i agree uh, and it's fun. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely fun. There's a lot of cool, weird shit that happens in this movie. So, uh, oh, one one thing I wanted to point out before we close out on Gamer, um, another movie that came out at the same time. This really weird. Do Do you remember this this film called Surrogates that came out? I don't know if I do. Tell me more. It had Bruce Willis in it. Oh, uh, that rings and it's out. all about how um, differently from Gamer, where you're like controlling actual people, it's about a world wherein like you control like sort of an, a very biologically realistic android, um, but only if you're like rich enough to afford one. So it's kind of like the show um, Altered Carbon that came out but okay, recently sure, yeah. a little different 
um basically like the real people live in like these pods kind of like in the matrix but they're controlling like these avatars that go around in the real world um but it's it's just very weird because it came out like the exact same time and it's all about like controlling something outside yourself and it has some similar themes i think it's been a while since i've seen that movie and i don't really <laughs> i don't really want to watch it again because it's not really that great but right. it's, it's a very it's one of those weird things where like two very similar movies come out at the same time i feel like that happens a lot though yeah oh da- all the time all the time so uh that is gamer and next week we're gonna be talking about the final neville dean taylor movie uh which is Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance. I can't wait. Are you going to watch the first Ghost Rider first? I might. I, I think I might. Yeah. It's yeah, probably the same. This is going to be very interesting. I remember seeing both of the Ghost Rider films in theaters. I have very vivid memories of both of those. Nice. So this is going to be a real throwback for me. Uh, this was like comic book movies before the big Marvel push too. So yes. I distinctly remember when Ghost Rider was like a big figure in the comic book movie canon. Yeah. Um, And uh, obviously Nicolas Cage is in this movie. Which is always a delight. Nicolas Cage is always great. Uh, He is a real star in this movie. And he finally got to work with Neville Dean Taylor. Because, you know, as we mentioned before, he was originally considered for Crank. So it's good to see... The, ins- the absolute insanity of the Neville Dean Teal directing team meet the absolute insanity of the actor Nick Cage. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride. So very much looking forward to that. Um, that's the last movie that Neville Dean Taylor made. We've together. Got- yes, together. Uh, they've both done some other stuff. Uh, most notably, one of them made Mom and Dad. Also yes. with- that was Taylor, Taylor, right? Or was that Taylor? Taylor made that one. Uh, did Neville Dean make the Vatican tapes? Was that him? I think so. Yeah. One of them I, made the Vatican tapes. I'm not familiar with that one, but I have seen Mom and Dad, and that's a really crazy movie. Maybe we'll oh, yeah, brief, that's fun. Yeah. briefly discuss what that's about next week. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for next week. It's gonna be a wild ride. It's gonna be good. I can't wait. Yeah. Um. So until then. Um, you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms. We're on Spotify, Google, and Apple. Um, find us on your favorite platform, leave us a review, and like and subscribe. Uh, you can find us on social media at Buzzed on Movies uh, on Twitter. You can find Matt at Jellical Matts for all of his crazy weekend movie binges. Please um, do it. <laughs> you can also send us an email at buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. And as always, we will see you at the movies. Well, will we? I don't know. We'll see you at the movies, you Jellical fucks. Remember, rock on. <laughs> rock on. Rock on. Round it.